This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Welcome back to BetQL Daily, presented by BetMGM. Eddie Gross, Joe Ostrowski, and Aaron Hawksworth here with you. Still to come, our preview of the national championship game between Michigan and Washington. And, of course, we will kick off our number three, talking to Jason Lockenfora as he helps us preview Super Wild Card Weekend. That's right, Super Wild Card Weekend, everybody. <laughs> yeah, Good Ed. Fortune. Why does it need to be super? I mean, it's already wild card weekend as it is. We don't need another adjective in there. Let's just leave the super off. It's super annoying, if you ask me. You know, you know what I dislike more? You know what I dislike more? The Monday game. Uh, what? I don't need the Monday game. Like, why, why are we dragging this out? Let's just give us <laughs> our division around. I want to be set on Monday and start working towards this. But no, we got to drag it out to the game on Monday. I, I find that annoying. I... I love Super Wild Card Weekend. It's great. I like saying super. But part of the reason I like saying super is because it's so damn stupid. It's so childish. <laughs> it really is. I don't know why they started it. Well, because it used to be four games on Wild Card Weekend, but when they expanded the playoffs to seven seeds per conference, now there are six games instead of four. Right. So it's a friendly reminder that the playoff field has gotten larger. And so it's kind of their way of reminding us, hey, look, there are more games that you get to watch than you did previously. Doesn't that make us awesome? Huh? Self-validation? Isn't that cool for the league? That's probably how this happened. It's super yeah <laughs> i know it's so how was your weekend oh super who even says super these days <sighs> yeah <laughs> i do I it know. in mockery fashion sometimes yeah. you would yeah you say like, hey super. how you doing super i have covid you know something like that yeah okay <laughs> right yeah mockery is the idea okay uh let's start with uh the first afc game the first game of super for a wild card weekend browns and texans cleveland two and a half point favorites the spread has moved from one and a half to two and a half with a total of 44 i really like this matchup i mean cj stroud is tons of fun the browns defense has been tons of fun the other side of the ball though may be the more underrated uh aspects of say super wild card weekend in general but cj stroud against this cleveland defense that's going to be a ton of fun People love to fade rookie coaches, rookie quarterbacks in the playoffs. Are they going to be willing to get on board with the Houston Texans, a very popular team? Uh, people are buying them this year. They're buying them for the future. They win the division. Are they going to be willing to fade um, the Texans in this spot with as a home dog? I find that very interesting. And and yes, it's another one of these matchups, guys, where, okay, we've seen them play. Throw it out the window. It's We just saw it in week 16. Doesn't matter. It was a Davis Mills-Case Keenum game. 
Like, what do you, what do you put towards that? Like, I, I've got nothing on that. Uh, they, the two of them were 26 for 49, two touchdowns, two interceptions in that game. Highly doubt that C.J. Stroud is giving that same performance in that matchup. So uh, I've, I've got to toss that one out. It's The Browns basically had a bye week, and then the Texans are coming off the, the highly emotional uh, game that they had. So I, I'm really looking forward to it. It's going to be It's going to be great, and I'm sure we're going to be going back and forth about that Cleveland Browns defense, how different they are on the road, and if that, that matters come this matchup. Yeah, the other thing that I'm curious if it matters is just Joe Flacco and his playoff experience. So you've got a, a veteran, mm-hmm. like a super veteran. <laughs> super, super, super veteran. veteran. Not just any veteran. Oh, oh no, uh, ma'am. Wait, hold on. He is we just invented something. So now, now there are veterans and now there are super veterans. Who, right. yeah. who, who makes the power ranking list on Wednesday of – you're five super Listen, veterans. If you're over 35, then you're a, if you're closer to age 40 than you are 20, then you're a super veteran. So Tom Brady, until he retired, he was a super veteran. A super yeah. duper veteran. Yeah. Aaron okay. Rodgers, you know. Oh, no, no. Oh, right. Jimmy Kimmel, something going on. How's that deal? Wow. You know, it's 30 degrees outside here in L.A. It just got a lot hotter in this room right now. Yeah, how about that? Um, so Jason Peters was a super veteran. Just old. You just got to be old. And you're super. Right. Yeah. Okay. But it's an interesting matchup. Quarterback versus quarterback. Young versus old. Which side would you yes. rather have for this game? You're picking a quarterback. Who do you want on your side? Do you want Flacco? Do you want Stroud? I think Flacco, I hate to say it. I don't know. This is tough. This is I, tough. I know who I want. I, in who terms wants? of systems, I trust the Browns system more than I do the Texans one, which, you know, mm-hmm. feels weird because like Houston's way more fun to watch, way more exciting. But one of the underrated players that I think we need to be talking about a lot more all week long when it comes to the Browns is Amari Cooper. He's been sensational ever since Joe Flacco took over the reins. In fact, uh, from weeks 13 through 17, Cooper leads the NFL with 4.9 receptions over expected, total of 485 yards and three scores, both high on the list. And best of all, they're not overly relying on him. They are going to other targets. Whereas with CJ Stroud, it's like, yeah, he has other weapons, but it's the Nico Collins show, right? Amari Cooper, mm-hmm. yeah, he's important, but they go to other guys a good bit more. He's not like running away with the team share or air yard share awards for that stretch of time. So I'm wondering, Joe, when it comes to who to rely on, the X factor, things like that, is Amari Cooper that guy? Well, Cooper only had 265 yards against this Texans defense. So I don't know why you would get excited about that. Only 265, a franchise record. Fair point. Uh, yeah, Fair. Um, I don't. I don't think it has to be one guy, right? Like, that's something we've seen since Flacco's taken over. It's been both Cooper and Njoku um, just dominating these games. So, yeah, that's that's the side that I'm looking to for sure. So, okay, I feel like maybe you have to make this decision today if you're on Cleveland. Or maybe you don't. Maybe you guys disagree. But this was sitting at two last side. It goes up to two and a half, and, it, and that's where it seemed to have settled in. Do you think this gets to three? And I'm obviously asking that questions if 
Because if you plan on betting the Browns, do you need to do it now if you're worried about it getting to that three? Yeah, probably. Mm. You think it will get there? I I don't know. I mean, the the Texans have just been such a buzzy team, like exciting team. I wouldn't be surprised if it's kind of 50-50, you know. Um, Joe Flacco and the Browns did have been cool, but I don't know where most of the money is coming in, but I wouldn't be surprised if it's pretty evenly split as we get closer to kickoff. The teaser aspect of it is really interesting to me because when you Mm -hmm. get to three, then you lose that. And that's probably why, like, if they're going to make that move, it's probably going to be fairly soon. They don't want to wait on that uh, just because, I mean, if that's who we want to pair with, say, like, you know, bringing the Cowboys down to minus one and a half. That might be the obvious way to go. Uh, maybe Eagles Bucks if you want to do like Bucks plus eight and a half. So I'd say you probably have three teaser options, but this one is there for the taking right now. How important is losing that teaser possibility? That I'm I'm not sure about. I'm not teasing the Texans. Right before you okay. said it, I was thinking the exact same thing. Like, yes, the numbers we're supposed to be considering a teaser in that one. It's a lower one of the lower totals of the weekend. Go through the three and the seven. Not interested. This is blowout potential uh, for me, but it doesn't mean I'm I'm screaming that you got to lay it right here. But there is blowout potential, and that's where I want to avoid uh, teaser spots. Fair enough. Fair enough. How about we move on now to the Steelers and the Bills? Right now, Buffalo, nine and a half point favorites. This total is plummeting, starting at 43. Now it's at 37 and a half per bet MGM. Boy, people just love to go under on snow games, don't they? Yeah. So, I mean, there's going to be wind. It's going to, mm-hmm. yeah, this, this total 38 and a half, like some of the projections with wind, I mean, we're so early. It's tough to take that stuff too seriously, but that's why we're here with this total. Um, wind or not like, well, look, what have the bills been doing since they made the change at OC? They're now getting stubborn with running the football. It's kind of amazing. Um, you know, part of this Bills run, I, I'm going to look at and say, and, and look, I've been higher on the Bills. I've been saying bet on them playoffs, bet on them for the division, bet on them for conference and Super Bowl when the Super Bowl was 50-1 to 1 before the, this winning streak. So I obviously believe in their ceiling and very happy that they're sitting here as a two-seed. However, during this five-game winning streak, let's also point out that four of these are one-score games. That maybe something you want to take a look at is regression to the mean. Both overtime games they lost this year. They had a lot of close losses, like the the Jacksonville one was another close loss that they had earlier this year. A bunch of them, that happened early on, and then late, all the coin flips ended up going their way. So something you need to take a look at, and I mean, T.J. Watt, the on-off splits, man. That that team without T.J. Watt, it's not good, and that's why this thing was touching 10 last night. So is he playing or no? A torn MCL, right? Yeah, that's okay. Yeah, he ain't playing. So, also the thing for me is, I mean, talk about blowout potential. The quarterback mismatch. I mean, Mason Rudolph. It's going to be him, right? Against Josh yep. Allen. I they won just, three straight with them. It's Rudolph. I know yeah. Tomlin mm-hmm. as a dog can be profitable, but I just can't find a way for the Steelers to keep this close. I just can't. Mm-hmm. Does does the weather nullify the conditions and the disparity to where even if Buffalo looks just absolutely darn, gosh darn dominant, 
Nine and a half is still a lot of points for a really low total. And Najee Harris and Jalen Borden, they, they've been good. Like the rushing attack has been pretty stout for the Steelers and they've been containing the run these last few games also effectively. So I'm wondering, yeah, maybe Buffalo just dominates this game, but they only win by seven or eight. And that would be my concern in terms of backing Buffalo here. So Rasul Douglas left that game with an injury last night in the second quarter. I, he has been very impactful since coming to Buffalo at, at the trade deadline. I want to know where he is. Um, that's uh, certainly a concern. Yeah, I know. The rules say, like, such a low total, such a high point spread, you just bet on the dog and don't overthink it. But, I Oof, see, I've, I'm so invested on Buffalo with futures that I, I'm not <laughs> trying to I'm not trying to make Roll it. Roll in, baby. <laughs> yeah, I'm just about winning. No, I understand it completely. All right, next up, Dolphins and Chiefs, the Peacock game. If nobody has a Peacock subscription, did the game ever get played? We will find out this philosophical debate coming up on Saturday night. But as for the game itself, uh, this line has moved from opening at three to Dolphins plus three and a half. This total is also plummeting because of potential inclement weather from 46 down to 42 and a half. So can we back the Chiefs knowing full well that they are not as strong as they've been over the last few years? Mm, it's going to be tough. They do have a super vet in Travis Kelsey, but is he going to turn it on? Is he going to flip the switch now that we're in the playoffs? So we saw this game in the middle of the year. I don't know how much you want to put into it. That was a, a 21 to 14 game. What if I told you before the year, okay, wild card weekend, both quarterbacks are healthy. Chiefs, Dolphins, totals 43 and a half. You would have said I'm insane. Like that, but mm-hmm. that's where we are with this NFL. Um, or they're playing in the middle that, of a hurricane. <laughs> right. Remember how that game went. Um, the Chiefs were up 21 nothing at halftime, and they got that defensive touchdown right before getting to halftime with the Tyreek strip, and they ran it back. They go up 21 nothing, and the Dolphins actually shut them down in the second half of that game. So, oh, man. I was thinking Chiefs are nothing, but I, I don't know that I'm going to be able to get back to that point. Uh, Dolphins – we always point out that they don't beat good teams. Do the Chiefs qualify as one of those really, really good teams? Sometimes this year it feels no. like uh, they don't. Um, 11 wins yeah. for the Dolphins, guys. How many against playoff teams of their 11? Uh, da, 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 da. Two? Aaron? Three. One. <laughs> oh, we both went over. over. Yeah. Double at, over, at two bid. and three. Yeah. At two and three, you went over. Uh, yeah, 10 wins against non-playoff teams for Miami. Jeez. And the one was against the Cowboys, and that was a very close game. Mm-hmm. Andy Reid versus Mike McDaniel. I would think I would also give a slight edge to the Chiefs' defense. <sighs> this is a tough one, probably. Ugh. Well, Chiefs they sink against also. the run. The do- mm-hmm. if, is most are going to be healthy? Like That's They should be one. able to run on KC. Mm-hmm. They should, but if they're playing from behind, do they abandon the run like they did yesterday against Buffalo? Like, they were not committed to that in the second half. Like, it was almost as if they were playing, you know, from some massive deficit. Or or was that just me? Like, it did not look pretty. And, I mean, Tua in the second half, that was a disaster. Going up against Mm -hmm. a Chiefs defense that will be comfortable playing a lot of man coverage despite going up against Tyreek Hill, 
I might back KC here, boys and girls. Like, I could definitely see the Chiefs kind of, you know, riding the ship in a game like this and Miami looking like a complete disaster. Wouldn't be surprised if that's what happens. This is BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM. Coming up next, our preview of the national championship game between Michigan and Washington right here on the BetQL Network. We'll be right back with BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM on the BetQL Network. Welcome back to BetQL Daily, presented by BetMGM. Eddie Gross, Joe Ostrowski, and Aaron Hawksworth here with you. Still to come, Jason Locke and Fora will be here to kick off hour number three as we continue to look at Super Wild Card Weekend. And we will also talk about our season-long bets uh, that maybe didn't go as according to plan. We'll talk about that in the next segment. But now it's time to preview the national championship game between Michigan and Washington. The Wolverines are four-and-a-half-point favorites here. This game being played out in Houston. Total of 56 and a half. And in terms of most bet game tickets, uh, Michigan to win by 7 to 12 points. That score band is at plus 425. Then Washington to win and go over 54.5 points is at plus 350. So definitely uh, a lot of college football fans are hoping for some massive payouts, believing that Washington can keep up against the Wolverines. But, Joe, what say you? Yeah, that's that's the difficult one. This one this one sneaks up on you. After everything going on in week 18, we've got our wild card matchups. We've got firings this morning in the National Football League, which we'll go over and probably more to come. And uh and then oh yeah, the uh the national championship is here tonight, by the way, guys. <clears throat> Man, four and a half, that number just is screaming to me that people really aren't quite sure what to do mm-hmm. with it. I know that the public is buying in with Washington and like the sharper side is supposedly Michigan. They're, they're laying the price when it was four and now we're up to four and a half. Uh, from when we got this matchup, this total has not budged a half a point. It has been 55 and a half the entire time. And I guess it kind of correlates. Like if you're going to play the over that you're probably going to be on the Washington side, that you're going to take the points and maybe you think it comes down to the final possession and they're live to win this game. I would actually think that if you're going to lay it, that you're going to take Michigan, or rather you're going to take the under, um, because it's going to be Michigan controlling the pace of this game. Uh, Penix does not do what he did much of uh, this season, and Washington doesn't score a ton. I think the team total is like around 25 and a half, somewhere in that range. Um, but But my belief is in the Washington Huskies offense a little bit. And Michigan hasn't seen something like Michael Penix Jr. uh, this season, right? And that's kind of where I'm at. Now, I'm not so far where I'm saying Washington is live. I just think that the Huskies are going to get theirs. They're going to do enough. But it does worry me that I'd assume that the mentality is for Michigan, all right, we got to have some long drives. And they're going to run, run, run all day with Corum. And it is a matchup against a weaker defense. Like they might go in thinking, okay, let's have a long, you know, 12 play drive. But the thing is the Huskies defense is so poor. Are they going to let it get to 12 plays? That's what I'm wondering. Like Michigan might put up many more points than we've seen uh, throughout much of the year. Hmm. Yeah, it'll be interesting. I mean, I definitely give the edge to the Huskies. I think that Michael Penix and those elite receivers will cover the spread. 
I'm also looking at first half under. We saw it uh, with Michigan before, like off to a slower start, maybe a little nerves. Um, Maybe both of these teams are figuring each other out on such a big stage. So under 28 in the first half, I like. Even though the Huskies do have an explosive offense, they don't play super fast. So I could see an under happening here, um, but I think I might just go first half rather than full game. I'll be honest, growing up in the Seattle area, pretty much everyone I grew up with went to Washington. So I do have a little bit of just hoping uh, that they win inside of me, having grown up in the area. So Washington, there's even a five and a half out there. Um, But uh, I'll, I'll be on the Washington side in the first half under in this one. Yeah, Aaron, you might have a lot of hope that the Huskies pull this off, but I'm the one wearing the Washington shirt here, wearing the garb, the merch. Why? Because I got to represent my West Coast peeps. That's why. Because I believe in them and they believe in me. So there, there you go. And Seattle's a wonderful city, a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful place. It's funny because I'm in this weird position where, yes, I hope the Huskies pull this off for the Pac-12 and for the institution, all that stuff. But I think my bets are more reflecting that Michigan will cover this and perhaps win this thing, uh, you know, maybe even by double digits. Like I could see Michigan's bully ball brand uh, possibly just, you know, you know, taking Washington to the woodshed. Like that is a real possibility. Joe, I want to ask you about this idea of who Michigan has actually played up to this point, because if you're looking at some of these great offenses from college football this year, in terms of, say, EPA per play, the best that they've played and the best they will have played actually goes to Ohio State. Now, Kyle McCord is not Michael Penix Jr. We know that. McCord is not nearly as good of a quarterback, but did have Maserati Marvin Harrison Jr. And that aerial attack did put up a ton of points against good competition. So I am wondering, like, yeah, they haven't played many good offenses, but is playing Ohio State and Alabama and maybe one or two other good offenses, could that be enough for them to be prepared for what Penix will have to offer? Yeah, it just it wasn't coming from the quarterback position. That's the mm-hmm. difference. Like these great offenses, that those good offenses that they did face – it wasn't just all generated from the guy that's touching the ball on every single play. So I think that's the difference, and that's why there there is a level, there's a floor uh, for this Washington uh, offense. So that's why I am buying into playing the over a little bit. But it is it is dicey. Like they have not been in a high scoring game maybe all year. Um, mm-hmm. There were two weeks where they were involved in games that went above this number of fifty five and a half. It was the middle of the year. And they scored 52 in each of them. I'm not expecting them to get the 52. It was against Minnesota and Indiana in back-to-back weeks. And that's why those ended up going above that number. But, yeah, I, I do believe that that's the difference. Like, you're you're going through it. And it's like, where's where's the great quarterback play that they had? Um, you know, I guess you make the case that Milrow is the best quarterback that they played all year, right? I, I think so. I would think yeah. so. I, I could- yeah. I believe that 100%. And certainly he's more of a runner than he is a passer, but we've also seen Milrow complete some really difficult throws into tight windows. So I completely agree. Like that was the the toughest test and Michigan passed that test. Do um did we see enough last week where l- let's play it out that that it is a closer game, closer than mm-hmm. the betting market is saying right now. Or you know, maybe even Michigan is trailing. Uh because McCarthy slayed that dragon last time 
do we have a lot more belief in Michigan now? Like, what if it comes down to where they, it is a back-and-forth game, where it ends up being Penix against McCarthy? Do we trust McCarthy yet? I do not. Absolutely yeah. not. I, I think that sample size is still really small, and I don't want to let one game against, yeah, a good Alabama team, sure, but I don't want to let one game make me believe, like, look, the reason why Michigan's been running the ball so much all year long, A, because Blake Corbin's really good, but also, two, they have lots of questions about that pass rush. And while Washington may not generate a great one, this is definitely a game where the team with the better pass protection is going to be the team that wins this ball game. So what can Michigan do in terms of protecting McCarthy? Honestly, even after the Rose Bowl, I still don't have a good answer to that. Mm-hmm. So – So Braylon Trice for the Huskies, he had against the Longhorns three TFLs and two sacks plus a forced fumble. So while the Huskies weren't known as like this great team that can rush the quarterback, they do have a weapon here that maybe he's going to be a bit of an X factor in this matchup. Yeah, so I think that's another angle to this game, just this Washington Mm -hmm. defense. Are, Are you looking at them as a whole? of what we saw all season long, because I, you know, people have made the case and I think it's fair that they're trending up, that they've been getting better as the season has moved along. Um, but, you know, also this, the style of play that they're going to see in this game, have, have they seen something like that with a team that's just going to come in and just punch you in the mouth? Like that's, this is, this is why this is so fascinating to me. Like these teams could not be more different and here they are going to meet head up in the, in the title game. I agree that the defense has been trending up, but the run defense for Washington has been abysmal. It's outside the top 100 in terms of EPA per play, you know? Yeah. You might be getting better, but you were in the hole to say the least. So in that respect, I can understand why a lot of folks are betting on Blake Corum to score the first touchdown at plus 275 or oh score an anytime touchdown at minus 350. You kidding me? I know. But that's what the public's doing. Uh, and also, a lot of folks believe Blake Corum will go over 104 and a half rushing yards at minus 115. I get the idea that Corum is going to be the guy for Michigan. And I get that this Washington run defense is just awful. But at the same time, like, don't you think Michigan will be just a little more creative knowing full well that this can't be such a predictable approach? There's a book that has quorum anytime touchdown at minus a thousand. What? Wow. It's insane. Yeah. (laughs) Like, what what are we doing? What are we doing? He he could turn an ankle in the first drive. Minus a thousand. Oh, wow. Like, yeah, it is most likely going to happen. And the best price out there is actually BetMGM at minus 400 now. Like, mm-hmm. God, they're they're betting into that. They It was minus 300, 350 last week, and it's going up because people are betting it. It's crazy. I guess people are looking for a sure thing. Um, it's, it's like even money for two-plus touchdowns for Quorum. I mean, that's where we're at. It's wild. Uh, is it? Let me ask you this. Is there going to be any movement on the spread? Because we mentioned Petum James at four and a half, and I'm looking around. I see fives. I see a five and a half. Can we get to six by kickoff? Or even sometime, anytime before? If we're at five and a half right now. I don't – maybe it's because I'm backing Washington. I don't think so. 
I don't think so. I would love it, but I don't think so. At six, I I I might be tempted on Washington. I I completely agree. Like, I I could see that happening, especially if it is a back-and-forth affair. And in terms of, you know, bets that I'm going to be making, I want to be prepared that maybe Michigan still has uh, its same DNA and showcases that in the game. But also, they could just win this thing at a romp and an absolute blowout. Uh, but if it does Ooh. get to six, I have to back Washington. Like that, that's just too big of a movement as far as I'm concerned. But will it get there? I, I mean, six is a quasi key number. I don't think so. But could we get to fives and five and a halfs all around? I think so. I think that's fair, especially if the total is as high as it is, where it, that path of going back and forth might be something to look into. Mm-hmm. If we what get a good game, do, hope yeah. it's not a blowout. Uh, I hope I'm it's like twenty three twenty something closer, not a blowout as well. That would stink. Yeah. I just like also the whole narrative of the Pac twelve going away, uh, Harbaugh and all the stuff, the karma that he could have <laughs> coming to him before he agrees to an NFL <laughs> contract tomorrow. Because I mean, that's how this is going to go down. Yeah, before right, he pulls right. a Pete Carroll and dips out before everything comes down on him. You know, what's interesting, though, is that usually like coaches leave uh, from one program to the next or to jump to the NFL a lot sooner. Like you can't do that because like, you have a chance to win a national championship. But I can't recall the last time when someone made it all the way to the end and you're still dealing with job rumors like mm-hmm. that feels a little unprecedented to me. And I mean, not that Harbaugh will be distracted. I don't believe that in the slightest. I hope so. It's more like, okay, what what will this NFL team look like for next year? Like is Harbaugh so far behind once he gets that job? That's how I would think about it. But as far as this game goes, it, it is fascinating that it's not really anything discussed like, oh, Harbaugh's going to be distracted. No, I don't believe that at all. And thankfully, I'm not hearing a whole lot of that hashtag narrative either. Yeah, the Raiders, if that happens, that wouldn't surprise me, even though I would like to see Antonio Pierce get that job. I feel like he's deserved it. And, but all we're doing is here, it's the Raiders. So knowing their history, it'll probably be Harbaugh. And remember, he started his coaching career out there. So come full circle. Does he go back there when he comes back to the NFL? Wouldn't shock me at all. Uh, I want I want to – so him going to the Raiders, fine, if that happens this week. But I just want him to bring in Connor Stallions on his coaching staff. That's what I want. A big middle <laughs> finger to everyone. The most yeah, Raiders right. thing ever. <laughs> yes. I, I hope the announcement includes like some big cardboard sign. Like that would be fun too. Oh, God. Yeah. You, know, you know, play it up, go nuts. Like, by the way, did you guys see the Alliance account uh, with so-and-so has checked in today and then they're like, that's not me. And then uh, they corrected it like even the lions were having a little bit of fun with the uh Ah. you know eligible receiver thing like it's okay in this pr world we live in now to have a little bit of fun yeah i think that's a smart pr move to play into it rather than be bitter or deny things and yeah i like that anybody have the huskies winning anybody (sighs) what is it there's a one hundred thousand dollar bet on washington plus four and a half i couldn't do that um That's not me, unfortunately. <laughs> I don't have that. Right, because you're controlling yourself now. This is your New Year's resolution. Yes. Otherwise, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Got to play a mortgage here. Thank goodness. Oh, my gosh. If I had unlimited money to spend, I might be in serious gambling trouble. 
<laughs> right. That'll be fun. Do it for the content. This is BetQL Daily right. presented by BetMGM. Coming up next, we mourn the losses we suffered with our season-long bets. The tears, the coffins, the epitaphs, all when we come back here on the BetQL Network. We'll be right back with BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM on the BetQL Network. Dear family and friends, we gather here today in grief and love to remember the lives of our bets and to support one another during this difficult time. And as we come together, let us take a moment to offer a prayer of comfort, healing, and strength. Okay, enough of that crap. Welcome back to BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM. <laughs> Eddie Gross, Joe Ostrowski, Aaron Hawksworth here with you. Joe, of your season-long bets, which one? Uh, it just came up a tad short. Ah, man. In the end, it wasn't short. It just, it had some life. At one point, it was the leader, and it was the 80-to-1 shot, C.J. Stroud. Now, when we look back in history, it's going to look like, oh, whatever. He wasn't even that close. He's far down. But it is so bunched up. Um, yeah, there was, remember, that one point when it looked like Stroud was going to miss another game when, okay, we got to hedge on Tua, I guess. So that's the one good thing that Tua ended up as the passing leader. 46-24, Stroud with 41-08. You know, if you look at the list, like, oh, it doesn't look close. But it actually was close. It was live. So you can dream if uh, the concussion never happens, maybe he ends up uh, winning this 80-1 to bet. Yeah, that's the tough thing about, you know, when guys do miss time and or get benched or get injured and miss the rest of the season. That's the toughest part is trying to figure out who's going to stay healthy and who is not when it comes to these season long bets. And I guess that's why it's just easier to go under because uh, you're more likely to have some of these hit. Oh, for sure. For sure. Yeah, there was one in particular, uh, Daniel Jones to go over eight and a half interceptions because I thought the Giants would come crashing down to reality. And they did, but Daniel Jones was hurt. And so he didn't get to that mark. However, I did also bet on him to go under his yardage. Uh, he certainly did that, uh, finishing with 909 yards instead of the 3,000 plus that was set up for him. Uh, so in that regard, uh, that turned out okay. So I suppose I split the difference. But yes, quarterback injuries certainly err on the side of under. That's certainly fine. Um, but we got to talk about Josh Allen as the sacks leader, right? Like uh, I got that at 50 to one, finishes one and a half sacks short of TJ Watt. Mm. Uh, that was a bit of a sweat. And I thought, okay, if Ryan Tannehill is starting at quarterback for the Titans, Maybe he's a little too much of a statue, and maybe Josh Allen could uh, accrue several of them. Uh, but it didn't quite happen that way. Man, that, that's a really strong look. Uh, Hendrickson was also there at mm -hmm. 17 and a half tied with you. It's really bunched up there. You know, remember, well, what did Mac have in that one game? Was it six? And then he finished with 17. He was also in right. the team photo. You know, Sachs leader feels like 
it, it maybe Paul could back me up. It feels like something where a lot of times the, these long shots, they get you really excited and they fall just short to one of the, the star defensive players. It's exactly what happened last year with Hassan Reddick. I think we got a hundred right. on him last That's year right. and he finished second to the defensive player of the year, right? Nick Bosa yep. finished defensive player of the year. So, mm, yep. yeah, I mean, I don't know, TJ, and TJ Watt even gets hurt in that game, but not before he gets two more sacks to lock it up. I, I still, <laughs> like, unlike yeah. defensive player of the year, where I think if you're trying to pick, like, a guy who's going to lead, a long shot to lead the league in sacks to be defensive player of the year, I think that's a bad look. I think we've seen at this point it's the usual suspects for defensive player of the year. I do still think there's value on taking shots on sack leaders at, at big numbers, looking at, you know, pressure rate. It's it's not the most complicated thing in the world. Like, that's where we lock in on guys like Josh Allen and last year Hassan Reddick. So um, I will definitely be looking down the board again next year. Similar process. Like, these feel like – It's not voted on. Close. It's not voted mm-hmm. on. Right. That's close. It. You know, could have gotten there. Yeah. You have mm-hmm. a shot. So, but, I mean, again – Lost to TJ Watt, who could win Defensive Player of the Year. We'll talk about that tomorrow. And, you know, lost the Defensive Player of the Year last year with Hassan Reddick. So, okay. I guess I'll I'll take that L. What What about your other favorite award? Uh, interception leader, might as well mention. Howell, 21. He had three more yeah. than anyone else. It's just the more he was out there, it was like, this guy, he's going to take the most sacks. He's going to throw the most picks. Is he ever going to get hurt? That was the only question. And he finally got benched, and then yes. it was like for like a week because Jacoby got a mystery, you know, practice injury. So that put him back in there. Did anyone like look at how? Was there ever a good number on Howell? Like, did I don't remember? I don't even know what his for preseason number was. Yeah, for interceptions yeah, I leader. Yeah, I, I didn't see that, but I think one of the reasons why I perhaps dismissed it and didn't look at it too carefully was because I didn't know if he would finish the season. He seemed like someone, okay, if this is an absolute disaster, he will get benched for Jacoby Brissett. And what's interesting is that it didn't happen. And maybe one of the reasons why Ron Rivera is canned now, you know, one of the first two to get canned on this Black Monday. Uh, But at the same time, though, it's like, okay, the process is such to where you want to keep starters who are going to last for the rest of the season. That's why I took a flyer on Daniel Jones to finish with the most interceptions because he wasn't going to lose his job even if he threw a bunch of picks. Or say like Dak Prescott from the season prior, he wasn't ever going to lose his job. Um, And I think the process probably kept me out of how altogether. And it was such a t- it's such a tough situation specifically to handicap because Ron refused <laughs> to go to Howell last year. And this year he refused to go away with away from him to his detriment. And right. also just like how was taking how many sacks and he managed to tough it out through the season. I think in this market, you're always going to be competing against Josh Allen. I think that's something definitely to keep in mind next <laughs> yep. year and every year. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I got, I mean, how was so bad in the last seven games? There was a point where people were like, well, maybe they have something here for the future of the team. Let, let's see what oh. he does. Well, I think we've seen enough. Uh, he ends up with 21 touchdowns, 21 interceptions. And in the last seven games, <laughs> while not even playing full games in a few of them, last seven games, he threw 12 picks. Uh, he was so bad. You you can't even keep the, I wouldn't keep this guy on the roster, whoever's mm-hmm. running this team next. Uh, you got to move someone, on. Get him out of there. Someone should definitely draft a North Carolina quarterback, like number one or number, number two, two overall. overall. Yeah, mm. should definitely do that. 
That's not that, fair, that seems man. very esoteric there, Paul. Come on. What about <laughs> no CJ Stroud shut all that down with Ohio State, did he not? Yeah, CJ Stroud did. Mm-hmm. He did. Yeah. But I, I think there's still more. We we got to get through a more, few more North Carolina kind of quarterbacks. I, I don't know that Drake May is the guy. But anyway, this is not a draft segment. What else do we got? Yeah. Um. Let's see. The you know you know what else I you know what I found interesting and probably many people didn't take a look at it because it's been set in stone for a while. CMC is going to be a rushing leader, and we'll see what else he takes home. Uh, fourteen fifty nine on the season. If Kyron Williams puts together a full year, he runs away with this. <sighs> runs mm-hmm. away. He's right there. He was. He finished at eleven. What eleven forty four? Just a few hundred behind. He played in twelve games this year. I believe third overall in rushing. Amazing mm-hmm. season out of him. I call him the second best running back in football right now. Is that safe to say? Oh yeah. Better than King Henry. Yeah. Well, Come on now. <laughs> he would have been he would have been if he played the full season. He's right behind him in yards. Like what 20 he's yards gonna behind be, him? He's gonna be popular and rushing leader next year. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. And the offensive player of the year. Sure. But like he and A Chan be a lot of fun. Running back staying healthy. Ooh, those are mm-hmm. tough for season long bets. It is. <laughs> that, that they are. Uh, that they are. That that is couple, part of the handicapping. Couple from the chat to throw out. So OG Plus mm-hmm. was with us on uh, Josh Allen, Sacks leader. Uh, Morrow yeah. mentioning the Lamb, offensive player of the year. That's definitely not going to get there. Um, yeah. And then all time Raider twenty three had Patriots low scoring oh. team at thirty to one. They finished tied. Man, how rare is that? It's a tie with Carolina. Um, so I guess I'm sure it's a dead heat, depending on your uh, on, depending on your book's rules. So you'll get half of what you would have gotten. If, Can we uh, talk about the Patriots for a I moment? Have. Because I had Ezekiel Elliott over four rushing touchdowns. Ramondre Stevenson got hurt. The quarterback mm-hmm. situation was abysmal. So all they could do was run the ball and feed Zeke. And he still didn't get this number. I think of all of my bets, that might be like top two, top three in terms of most excruciating. Mm. Man, I kind of, the, the CD Lamb one is tough. Like I, I was so, and the handicap wasn't wrong. Look at his mm-hmm. numbers in the end. 135 catches most, 1749 yards, second most, not far behind. Receiving tw- touchdowns, he had 12. It was just San Francisco's year, and that's part of the way that they're going to get paid off here. Like they, They're the one seed, best player on that team is CMC, and uh, he's most likely to get that award. But the 75-1 to number that was out there so long is silly. Um, mm-hmm. the, the shot was right. Like with the numbers that he ended up putting up in the end, he's just you know somebody else that voters are going to like more. I was on the Cardinals going back to a lowest scoring team. I remember when we uh, went over those that day. <laughs> so that's a tough one to figure out. Trey McBride was not going to let that happen. He single-handedly <laughs> made sure that Arizona was at least a, a somewhat quasi-respectable offense. Uh, that's for sure. Yep. Uh, and speaking yeah. of the 49ers, this one was a little embarrassing. I took George Kittle under 700 and a half receiving yards. Yeah, he went over a thousand. 
Uh, that one uh, flew over uh, just because I felt like Ayuk <laughs> and Samuel and all these other guys. And I also wasn't expecting Brock Purdy to be in the MVP conversation. So all of those factors had to involve uh, George Kittle uh, going off, and he certainly did just that. Uh, wh- one interesting tie in a market, receiving touchdown leader. Yeah, Tyreek had 13, but so did Mike Evans. Hmm. Wow. Yes. Yeah. And and certainly one offense relies on Ty, uh, on their wide receiver one a little more than the other. You know, Mike Evans mm-hmm. is still like, you know, wide receiver one for the Bucks, But, you know, they've been starting to distribute it a little bit more. So that Evans was still tied for the touchdown leader. That is interesting to me. Maybe there, there's some handicapping intel as far as their playoff game coming up. Well, there are some, some other names that I think are going to be popular. So you think Cortland Sutton, he was in that conversation. He finished sure. with 10. Some other names you wouldn't expect. Of course, Sam Laporta. Everybody's talking about him today and what Dan Campbell did, did not do. He finished with 10. Jordan Addison finished with 10. I mean, people are probably mm-hmm. going to take a look at those names next year. Good stuff. This is BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM. Coming up next, Jason Lockenfora gives us his first look at Super Wildcard Weekend. That's right here on the BetQL Network.